going on everybody 360 digital closing belt here i am your humble humble correspondent michael tanner joined as always by the executive producer of the show the purveyor of the show and the director and publisher of the world's greatest website oil and gas 360.com Stuart turley how you doing this morning oh it's beautiful it is a monday and we are busy in the neighborhood we continue to get busier, busier, busier. It's unbelievable. We appreciate you checking in with us for our week ahead podcast. Episode number 36 here on this gorgeous Monday, July 27th. We're actually banging this out in the morning here. It's about 6.45. Oil currently trading in the overnight session, um, 41.60. So actually, I had a decent day right now. Um, we'll see that pit opens about 7.30. So we'll probably have it finished up by then. But probably expecting a a. a, a a bullish day. I, I think we're going to see $42, $43. I think we're going to continue to see oil kind of chunk up here. I think some of this positive news is coming out. But as always, we kind of ride off the coronavirus stuff. We have a great show for you guys lined up. We're going to kind of dive into a really good article that uh, our, our friends over at Rare Petro wrote. and Really just some, some wild facts. There's a couple other things we want to cover. We'll check in with the three sit or we'll check in with the levels for crude oil and the commitment of traders some interesting stuff there uh, 360 official not official funds still suspended we're working on it but we continue to just get busy and busy but first guys i need to tell you about my friends at adam and Teen energy and what they're doing for the energy sector specifically in this idea of what's called social risk and you might be asking well what is social risk it seems like i it seems like it's a weird concept and honestly tish is one of the few people who actually uses the term i saw it used once i saw someone else use it on linkedin a week i was like well i know where you stole that from because this is really something that, that, that they've worked hard to develop this idea of future proofing against social risk it's not just community opposition to all these development projects it's really everything. The success from the divest from fossil fuels movement, investor engagement around your ESG programs, individual states setting these wildly ambitious climate and decarbonization agendas. To be honest, if you when you encapsulate it like that, social risk seems like it's everywhere, moving fast and multiplying like zombies. And that's why your company really needs a strategic partner like Adam and T Energy because they're the leading consultancy. They're helping oil and gas companies prepare for all of this social risk. They're led by Tisha Shuler, who's the former CEO of the Colorado oil and gas association and she helps guide energy companies just like yours and if you're an executive to expose to expose explore your exposure that's a tongue twister i get so deep i get really good about this read and then boom i mess it up at explore to exposure i'm not that good guys i wasn't necessary i'm not a wordsmith guys i i i, I hated english actually i worked really hard to avoid english at all costs when i was in high school and then i went to a college where you didn't have to take it it was great so it's it's been great explore but guys please can Check out Tisha Schuler and Adam Teen Energy Help explore your exposure to social work. She's also the host of the Energy Thinks podcast by Tisha Schuler, which is probably the best social i mean it's a it's a niche market to be square with you I'll, it's a niche market not everyone's interested in energy thought leadership specifically when it comes to social risk but if you are if you're an executive in that in this industry who's who's interested in okay well how do i navigate and how do i set myself and specifically my company up for success as we move through not just post-pandemic but into this new world of everything's esg if you listen to the show at all we pound this day after day after day esg is the only place where capital is going to be well she's probably this is probably somebody you want to get in contact with if you're interested in doing anything so guys check him out the energy thinks podcast on apple spotify itunes anywhere you get your podcast you can also check out the enter her both things are true weekly newsletter all available at www.energythinks.com she's thinking so you don't have to this show is also 
You should also subscribe to this show, the 360 Digital Closing Bell. iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, the best place for all of your energy market stuff, guys. We come live every day on YouTube. We'll be, we'll, we'll be live at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, bringing you the daily happenings. Um, and it should be a wild trading day, specifically when uh, this pit opens here at 7.30. You should also check out and follow Intercom and Oil and Gas 360 and all of the major social platforms. You should follow the Energy 360 News Desk. You should connect with me and Stu on LinkedIn. You should also check out the Energy 360 podcast, which is the Stu, which is a podcast that Stu runs, which is the Energy Thought. I mean, so this and this is even more of a broader the Energy Thought Leadership podcast. Because we bring on he brings on people from all over the wide range of the industry, specific in the energy market. It's not just specifically oil and gas. It's specifically the one we did that dropped last week with Aurora Energy Services. Find it Apple, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. Stu, what do you have coming up this week? Uh, we have two from Inveris, and we also have one from uh, Intercom, and uh, John, he yes. is a well-known, uh, kind of like our other authors, but he's a YouTube uh, with lots of YouTube followers, so got a pretty good stack week. We got a YouTuber, does he say smash that like button? No, he's more of a, a ex-teacher, knowledgeable kind of guy. Uh, he doesn't get up and around like you do. Yeah, not much people have my energy. Well, I'm about three coffee cups. I'm about three mugs deep this morning, so we're flying. I really think that's enough clerical work, guys. Um, it's it's you know we've we've got a lot of stuff going on here, guys. Just follow us, the world's greatest website, oilandgas360.com. No hyperbole. I know you might think I'm joking. I'm not. I am not. I type an O on my keyboard now, and oil and gas 360 pops up. It's pretty nice. It's uh, that's that's the Google knowing what my S knowing exactly where I'm going. But I want to. Stu ran that. We ran this story. What day did the story drop? Was this a Thursday, Friday? Let me look at it. This was a 24th. This is, they ran this on a Friday. They don't know how to do this. We got to talk with them about that. Who's running a story like this on a Friday? Sidebar before we get into it. I'm. This is too good of an article to yeah, run. Yeah, you run this on a Monday or a Tuesday. I don't even know much about this industry. And I know you run this on a Monday or a Tuesday. Yeah, you try. Uh, all of the bankruptcies and financials are being run at midnight. <laughs> yeah, Rose. Why do you think Rose Hill announced last night? I mean, we'll get into that. Of course, there's stuff in this with the Newswire. Everyone's off to go to their lake house in the Lake Ozarks. And now uh, we're, we're dropping this. Ah, not great. But. Sorry, we, we guys get off kilter here. This story dropped on Oil and Gas 360 uh, Friday. Did it actually run on their website on Friday? That's the real question before we actually dive into this. I want to make sure. Yeah, I, I, I... Periodicals. We'll take a look before we get into what's going on, guys. I'm sorry. Nah, this ran on the 22nd, so I'll cut them some slack. They ran this on a Wednesday. We just picked it up on a Friday. So we take most of that back and... You know, everyone's probably confused. The story, this story ran on Oil and Gas 360 on Friday, but it ran on our friends Rare Petro, www.rarepetro.com, on Wednesday, really talking about oil profitability around the world. And and, and these are some of the part of the great periodicals that um, um, Kevin Olson over there is doing, really covering, really is a wide spectrum of stuff. We've we we, we had uh, 
Anthony McDaniels on the podcast. Oh, really early, early on. We're talking maybe episode four or five. Stu's cranked out about 50 of them. And for, he was probably four or five. Really, really good interview. Highly recommend checking out. But the, they, they've been running a lot of different stuff. You know, they, one was on global oil demand right when it... Uh, right when kind of the trough of all of this COVID stuff, they were a really, really global, uh, really, really good global demand um, article. They also wrote some really, really good stuff on price differentials. So if you're interested in, you know, and this is a, this is a, this is always what fascinates me is you know not every you know we we all think every barrel of oil is created equal. It's not. There's differentials and you know there's a benchmark as we all know. And then there's, are you above or below that benchmark? And you either get a premium for being above or you have to pay for being below. And it's, and it's really a concept of location. And so, you know, if you're in Saudi Arabia, you kind of just got lucky. You just got lucky. It's There's that much there and it's cheap. And that's not, not to say anything bad, but it's just that's just sort of how the game works when it comes to, you know, whether or not you're a premium or a, uh, I'm a benchmark or, or, or even below. So. That being said, their latest article is about oil profitability around the world and, and, and specifically diving into and, and, and specifically splitting it up into two different buckets because that's that's where I think is the key. And so basically his article talks about, you know, producing, you know, basically the, the actual cost to produce a barrel and, and how it varies throughout the world and how it impacts these determinations on all these global um, uh, benchmark prices. And he really what he does is he breaks – Break, he talks about break-even prices, and there's really two types of break-even prices that he talks about. One is just the cost to produce a barrel of oil, which is all of what we think. And he kind of breaks that into a subcategory. CapEx, OpEx, makes sense. G&A, transportation. Eh, mainly the four, because you can pretty much, anything that's not in CapEx, OpEx, or transportation, trust me, I took petroleum economics you just loop it in with gna it's pretty easy so you've got your four main benchmarks there. but the other sort of break-even price that i think you know we've mentioned it a couple times on the show but i don't think it's brought up or not is when we look internationally the cost to balance government revenues or what we would call the fiscal break-even price of oil which is basically what a what a comp what, what is a country like let's give an example bahrain because they're on this list. Bahrain has spent so much money, they've taken out so much debt, they have so much interest payments that they need oil at a certain level considering it is their biggest revenue source. That's what's funny. You know, in America, it's taxes. Now, we don't have national oil companies, but it's kind of crazy that, you know, some of these countries, their taxes, they, they're, they're and large parts, like we're talking 60, 70, 80% of these governments' revenue comes from strictly oil, which is wild to think about, which is why when times are good, they can take out massive loans. And it's when in times are bad right now, you look at the fiscal break-even price of oil. Stu, we're just going to run down this list, okay? Number one, we're going to run top to bottom, okay? Because I think this is, uh, I think this is, and these are the thir top 13 most expensive fiscal break-even oil prices in 2020, courtesy of who? Who is this? They do a really good job of sourcing this stuff. I don't even know what this is. I can't even pronounce the name of this place. Kohamein. I don't know. This is uh interesting. Kohamein.com. K-N-O-E-M-A.com backslash infographics. Interesting. I trust this. I don't think they're lying to us. Point is, that's the source. You can go in the article and you can take a look at this. Number 13, Qatar. $47. Not bad. You can make money, or $45, excuse me. You can make money right now. Not bad, not bad, not bad. 12, Azerbaijan, 53. 11, Kuwait, 54. 
Turkmenic, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Turkmenistan, 57. Yep. Kazakhstan, 57. Iraq, 60. UAE, 70. Oh, we're start getting expensive now, Stu. Saudi Arabia, oh, they have so much cheap oil. $83 fiscal break even price. Oman, $87. Side note, my cousin has been trying to, my, my, my dad was born in Africa, and I have a lot of cousins that live over in like the east, like the east side of Africa. I have had a cousin trying to get me to go to Oman with her for years. I'm like, I'm not trying to die. Okay, like I would like to come back and not get stranded there on some camel with you in the desert. Um, four, Bahrain, $91. Woohoo! That's why I kind of brought them up. Number three, Libya. Why would you want to live in Libya right now? Because it's $99 to balance government revenues and yikes. Algeria, number two, $109. And get this, our friends over in Iran, $194 fiscal break even price. Yeah, you're screwed either way, Iran. Well, you know, Iran, uh, we've been talking about this, but they've been selling the oil uh, outside of sanctions to get cash flow. Uh, they have uh, been selling to China and others at ridiculously low prices outside. That's what I was. That's exactly what I was going to say. There, and they're getting. They can't be selling market rate. Uh, no, and and so when you take a look at all of these social programs, uh, where you and I have talked about a world economy coming around the corner. Um, you have all the influx of cash from COVID governments to go to renewables. Uh, I've been doing stories on Saudi, uh, United Arab uh, Emirates, all these others have um, uh, social and renewable mm -hmm. projects coming in, and they're all funded uh, by credit card, if you would. I mean, they're they're all funded by covid responses and all that it's nasty when you sit here and consider that this is all either part of opec opec plus or uh it's a disaster I, well it's yeah no it is a disaster i just found it very interesting like you know i think the two biggest takeaways from that list is well one number six saudi arabia 83 dollars to balance government revenues and so i think people always talk about how they're very interested in bringing back market share to OPEC. And when you they, think of OPEC, they, you think of Saudi Arabia. But they, they can't afford to have $20 oil. Like, they can't. They, 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 you know, what they did in August or what they did in early March was, was, was a bluff. They can't sustain that. It's clear. They can't. And the prince, uh, I think you said, he came back and said, rut row. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> He, he did a little um, mind change. It was just great. You were allowed to change your mind. You shouldn't be afraid. No one should be afraid to change your mind. But if you take away mind. one thing from this podcast, a little life lesson for Michael, it's okay to change your mind. I do it all the time. You bet. Fun. Because then you're right most of the time because you are you can just be fluid and flexible with, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. My wife changed her mind every 15 and you just get used to it. Now, um, where this is going also, and you, this one chart is so important because it lets you know that uh, socialism uh, is not good. And, and here's, these are not totally socialist, but let's take Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia has almost everybody getting a paycheck from oil. They are dependent. It's got to be a good life, though. Imagine when times are good, though. 
Imagine when times are good. The end population is still getting their paychecks and the government is writing checks their body can't cash. So I love that line out of Top Gun. Um, So this is an economic global world problem that everybody's doing. If one country was doing it now, the U.S., I believe I need to go fact check. Uh, this, but I believe that uh, oil and gas is only 8% of the U.S. GDP. I need to go fact check. Yes, it's it used to be as high as 20, and now it's down to under 10. You are correct. I don't know the exact numbers, but I know you're exactly correct. We have been, I mean, and it's clear because money has flowed in the equities markets out of energy into other things, and that's where the United States differs from places like, you know, internationally where they don't really have a stock market in Oman. Uh, no, but if you if you take an example of socialism and people being dependent on the government, this is good. Venezuela, perfect example. You know, they used to be the richest per capita in the world, and now look at them. The Venezuela is sad. Speaking of socialism, um, I hear we're getting another $1,200 stimulus check. I hear we're cashing one more stimulus check this round. That's what Mewchin just dropped. I saw that drop across the ticker last night. I thought you'd enjoy that. Um, I'm gonna. We're gonna be paying for it. I we don't have to get it. I just thought that was they're, okay. they're, they're, the the unemployment and that's something that's gonna I think impact the equities markets today specifically. Is you know if they actually do do another round of twelve hundred dollar checks. And they, you know, the unemployment is going to be now not six hundred, but it's be four hundred dollars extra. It's okay. only going to help the equities market. I, the, the number they're eyeing is about a trillion, Stu. Not to okay. get us off topic. <laughs> okay, we cannot sustain this uh, in trillions. What's a few trillion between friends? Holy crap, that it really. <laughs> okay, I'm. Uh, it okay. This is bad. And, and when you start putting pork all in the, okay, COVID, I don't care. I understand that. Let's go ahead and write some checks. Our body can't cash. I'm okay with that. Let's try to figure it out. This is a disaster. I'm understanding disaster. But why are we putting so much pork in there that we got to pay for people that can work their college education, get rid of their student debt? I'm sorry for getting political on that one. That one's stupid. Yeah, I. I'm sorry. It's tough because I see both sides. The, okay, I think your side. My side is. I think that the majority of younger people. I think there's a higher percentage, and I, I, I don't think I know this. There's a higher percentage of people like the millennial age. A higher percentage of us are working in like what's called like the service industry, which is shut down, like. You have a huge, like the, the unemployment among millennials is four times the rate of that of the rest of the people, which is, so I'm not necessarily, so I, I just, I see both sides because then I also have buddies who got laid off of the oil and gas business, got a severance and now are getting unemployment and it's like, they're just chilling. So what, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I'm just asking, just no, ask. You're good. What's wrong with deferring payments, but leaving them on the hook because I had to work all my way through college 
and everybody in my generation, I got out of college because oh, we're of, talking about specifically student loans. Well, student yeah. loans, I think, are a that's a whole nother argument. Those are a scam in and of itself. Thank you. And anyway, uh, this is not oil and gas. This is social, and it goes back to our socialism on oil. So this is a whole nother rant. But all of this topic quick. But no, I agree with you. Uh, all of this is tied to world economic depression uh, or... Recession. You're big on this. We didn't mean to get... I, I, I was actively trying to avoid this when we started the show, but you're in, you're in a depressed mood. You think this is... I'm in a factual mood. There okay. is a difference. Um, I don't understand why everybody is going through this. Um, let's take energy. Let's get energy to the poorest of the poor. My wonderful uh, uh, opinions of the Indian government are trying to do that. Let's get energy at the lowest kilowatt per hour. Um, the other um, one that we were going to talk about, which you tell me when you want to, is the high kilowatt per hour that New York's doing. But that's this is up to you when, whenever you want to. No, no, no. You, you, you're just... I wanted to dive, I guess I was looking for, I was diving in more to, you're big on there's a global recession slash depression coming. Yes. What What are you seeing? What, 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 are, what tea leaves are you reading? I'm interested. Because I clearly were in a pullback because of COVID. Well, uh, what you're saying is there is now more international disputes over natural gas than there ever has been before. And the reason for that is because a couple of years ago when Putin turned off the taps, everybody has two things. Renewable energy and, re and natural gas has been accepted as us going we're carbon friendly by going to natural gas. So natural gas is almost accepted as being uh, green. So when you take a look at the number of disputes over natural gas and the volume of everybody trying to get energy is in natural gas, but they're spending more in renewables and they're getting on the hook with China. They're, they're coming in and Warren Buffett said five years ago, I believe, I'll have to fact check that, the only reason to put in renewable wind is because of tax credits. Let's back it up to tax credits. How are you gonna get tax credits in a recession or depression? I'm sorry for being this way. I hope I'm wrong. No, I get it. I I get it. I hope you're wrong too, because that doesn't paint a very glossy picture, but um but yeah. No, it, no, it 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 in and, and cause when you cause when you dive into more of this you know, specifically of a global person who dive into more of this article. Oh, the yeah. big number that shot the big number that shocked me was at current levels of WTI hovering about forty dollars a barrel. There's only about fifty five percent of global oil that can be produced below that at a break even price. That is critical. Holy cow! Because that's um, I mean, we're talking all these international. If you if, if what you're telling me is true, all of these international companies they make their or countries they make their money off of oil. Well, that's not good then. That's 45% unprofitability. Oh, As an investor, I flee. I run. I'm getting out of the studio. Ah! Run, run away! <laughs> out of Monty Python. 
Hey, um, in our interview uh, two weeks ago with Heidi and Terry, I love the line when he said, uh, iPhones don't grow on trees, they come up from the ground. And think about it. If oil is not being profitable, uh, we are losing the ability to have our wonderful oil and gas people uh, bring oil products in. Oil and natural gas make the world go around to yep. manufacture all products. It is a fact. It's true. It's 100% true. You, you ain't going to have your iPhone if you ain't got oil. So. No, I feel that. I just, I actually just got a new iPhone today or like last week. It's unbelievably huge. It's like an iPad. It's like the iPhone 11 Pro. Woohoo! Not what I needed. I just, you can't go into the store because of COVID. So I just walked in. was like, I need a new phone. My phone's dropping calls. Yep. I go, okay, which one do you want? I was like, I don't know. I'm just giving the newest iPhone. Walks out with this um, iPad. And I was like, ooh. Kevin's, Kevin's conclusion is phenomenal. Young man did a great job writing this article. Now, what's his conclusion? We got to wrap this up. We've been uh, we've been off topic for a while. Uh, sorry, I, you let, don't let me rant. I will go put myself in the corner after this. No, I love it. We need to hear from you more often like this. Um, are the, I'm just going to read you this paragraph because he did a great job. Short paragraph. While the current price level ensures about 55% of existing global production can still be profitable, it is not sustainable as demand continues to grow. The cost to produce a barrel of oil does not account for the exploration of new areas. Horizontal wells decline from peak production shortly after they are brought online, meaning <laughs> natural decline will cause global supply to fall if reserves are not replaced through drilling. As a result, there will not be enough oil produced to keep up with global demand. Additionally, fields can only support a number of limited wells before reservoirs eventually is depleted and new areas must be developed. All of this feeds right on into economics around oil. Well said. No, this was, I highly recommend just reading the article. Um, they break down production allocation costs. I mean, it's some good stuff. I highly recommend checking out. You buy I, an oil and gas 360 website or www.rarepetro.com. That's a free shout out right there. There are some real nuggets in this uh, article. And if you're thinking about the whole worldwide picture, this was very well summarized. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Anything else, Stu? You, is there anything, you, you're on a good vent pad. Anything else you need to get off your chest about this topic before we move on? Uh, renewables or what? No, we're talking about just global oil demand, global oil depression. Um, you know, I think we need to move on now to the, the, the things to watch. News. News. I just want to make sure you're not uh, got anything else bottled up we need to get out. Okay, good news. I like positive. Yes, let's I end like... with some good okay. news. Okay, let's get some positive. You know the Noble, that little tiny deal that just happened uh, with Chevron, uh, I found a little uh, article from Cyprus uh, Cyprus is really needing that natural gas from the Leviathan field. And now they're worried that Chevron may take their time trying to really figure out the play on that Leviathan field and trying to figure out the disputes. So right. pretty, uh, it's really cool because there's so many um, 
countries and small countries that will benefit from the natural gas in this purchase of Chevron. Well done. No, I think there's, and I think it's a indicative. I think it's indicative that the deals you're going to see are going to be focused on companies that acquire who are looking to purchase are going to be looking for core assets that they can add on that are adjacent to what they already own so you can kind of create some of those economics of scale it's much cheaper for someone to pay a little more to buy wells that are right next to ones they already own because they have infrastructure set up you go out and buy a field where you have nothing and now you either have to buy the existing infrastructure on top of your wells or you have to go build it so i think you're going to see core assets around where they already have existing wells but i also think you're going to see natural gas if anyone's if, if, if they're going to go out and buy thing buy something new they're going to go buy something that they've never done before i think it'd be diversifying to something like natural gas and that's odd to say i mean that's what we were that's what people were saying in 2010 and look where that got a lot of these shale gas companies i mean it got chesapeake 10 it got chesapeake 10 bills in debt and uh, a chapter 11 rebrand um so uh i know that's what everyone's saying right now so i but i don't know they you know Put me on the spot. I think that's what you're going to see. Whether that's right or wrong, I don't actually know yet. Those are people. I mean, that's why I'm not the CEO of an oil company. I don't have to make that decision. No. Leave that up Chevron, to somebody smarter. This is cool from the point that Chevron uh, may have kicked us off to some excellent M&A activity. And I, I think Hopefully. That that's fantastic. Let's get a restructure on the oil industry. Let's get it rebooted, restarted, and rumble again. So I'm, I am happy to see this one. Well, let's just go ahead and dive into the week that's upcoming here in oil and gas. As always, this segment is sponsored by Sandstone Capital Group. Guys, these are just doing insanely good research. They provide all of their levels from the Energy Glimpse Solution. SandstoneCG.com. Call them 949-561-1818. couple things to watch for, I think, in U.S. shale. Well, I guess, you know, first two things happen over the weekend. One, Rose Hill Resources. Um, we love those guys over there. Unfortunately, finally made it official. Filed Chapter 11 bankruptcy in the Southern Court of texas some of the numbers 436 million in total debt they agreed to an aggregate principle of 17.5 million in what's called dip financing or what's called debtor in possessions giving them about 17 million dollars to kind of on go what's what's very interesting is they're gonna be 8 million this uh once the court which hopefully today agrees to the chapter 11 uh restructure they're gonna get eight and a half million off the bat or within three business days and then once kind of the final of the stuff rolls out um they will get the rest of that dip financing, 8% on that. God, I love it. I was telling Stu before the show, we got to get into that business, the dip financing business. But generally, and this is something you can get from the Haynes and Boone Weekly Energy Tracker, if you guys would like to sign up for that, email me, mtannerintercondominc.com. But um, dip financing generally comes from the people who you're already indebted to because hey. they don't necessarily like throwing some of this equity around. You pointed this out earlier. Haynes and Boone is uh, on the team. Yeah, yeah, boys over at Haynes and Boone are on the team here. We love everybody involved with this. Uh, um, um, but so we probably can't get in the dip financing game. But eight percent, God, gotta love it. No wonder people throw out these like hotcakes. Um, another interesting thing: if you're a equity holder in Rose Hill, you're getting you you're only chopping off about two thirds. Only about sixty six percent of your portfolio gets cut. I mean, that's I've seen worse. I've seen, I mean, Chesapeake, you got whoop, gone, all of it. Uh, so, you know, the fact that you're, you know, you're only 66%, man, it's not terrible. And, so, and uh, on Chesapeake, don't bring up our coworker, Dan. I mean, there's no reason to rub it in on Dan. I mean, no, but all of his equity was wiped out that he was given in stock. Yeah, no, but don't bring that up, Michael. No, I won't. Know. I won't. Sorry. Apologize. Apologies. Sorry. 
Yeah, I'll doubt he actually hears this. Um, the other thing that kind of happened over the weekend, NRG acquired Direct Energy for $3.6 billion in cash. So, big, big, big deal. Um, as you know, NRG is one of the most diversified electrical and natural gas generation businesses. And this move expands their presence. All 50 states, six Canadian provinces, adds more than three retail customers, according, or three million new retail customers, um, According to the press release, it's going to help them match power generation capabilities with their customer demand. They're also going to get getting more into the retail natural gas business as it expands its service to the East Coast and will add retail customers on both the East Coast and Canada. They also say that the result will, on, will, will result in an ongoing run rate of $300 million in cost-saving synergies by 2023. Ha! Yeah, that's an IR guy got paid a lot for that one. It expects to spend two. That's like telling me we're going to be. I read that number. When I read that, just so just so people know how my mind works. When I read NRG says, first off, okay, now we know who says. NRG says the acquisition will result in an ongoing run rate of $300 million in cost-saving synergies by 2023. What does that mean? Ongoing run rate? I don't know what that means, first off. That just seems confusing. Second off, that sounds very much like. We're going to be carbon neutral by 2050. Isn't on Sounds exactly like when I hear, Stu, we're going to be carbon neutral by 2050. That's what my new presidential platform is. Carbon neutral by 2027,000. But if you're also on the platform, I heard someone who was in, in the political party saying we're going to be carbon neutral by 2035, but we only have nine years and the world's going to be dead. So why? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, why put that in the same press release? <laughs> so point is, are they going to be saving $300 million a year because of this? I don't know. It also expects to spend $220 million and will recoup the investment in the savings by the end of the second year. So, there you go. NRG getting more into the natural gas business. What did I tell you guys? I mean, we're not making this stuff up when I think natural gas will be big in the M&A series. And who knows? This, I mean, this is electrical generation. So, this will always be, you know, this is a great purchase for NRG. You yeah. go out and buy a natural gas company that just produces natural gas, that's still going to be dicey in today's yeah. terms. But if you already own it or you're going and getting more natural gas infrastructure, I am all for it. Stu, you had something on solar and wind we had to cover. Um, not that I'm picking on Governor Como, but he's like an opportunity waiting to happen. He just put out, uh, announced the largest combined clean energy solicitation ever issued in the United States, seeking up to four gigawatts of renewable energy. This capacity is broken up into 2,500 megawatts offshore wind and 1,500 megawatts of onshore renewable energy projects. All I gotta say is as a taxpayer, I don't want to bail out New York. And the reason I don't want to bail out New York is he shut down profitable uh, low kilowatt for the people of New York. And he's putting in this, how's he going to pay for it except getting money from the feds? I'm not particularly happy with the way he's leading this. It no. is sad for the people in New York and I don't want to pick up the bill. That's sorry for that one, but, like I said, no, I agree. I mean, I saw some stat. You, let alone the federal government debt, if you include state debt, 
oh. the U.S. is literally has more debt than I mean, it's like it's like six or seven different worlds. It's unbelievable. It's okay. unbelievable. Like if you add, it's just unbelievable. So no, I agree. I mean, I think if if you're trying to pour money right now into old school solar and wind, I'll say it. You're an idiot. Like it's it's you're just an idiot. Like it's not even renewable. And there's no tax. It's you, and there's yeah, it just kills me. Okay, the renewable. Okay, here's what I will say positively about renewables. I think that they are all have a place in order to because there are places that you cannot use uh, anything else. I believe there is a place, and I just read an article over the weekend that there is a two new technologies coming out. And that is one of them is a new uh, solar uh, crystal that's coming out that will also heat a water. solar crystal. Ooh. It sounds like crystals. Uh, Jim Henson Muppet movie. Um, it, it, it is actually a heat uh, producing uh, crystal that will also generate electricity and heat water at the same time for cooking and other things. That is a game changer if it can get put into uh, larger production. So technology will get there. Uh, I think it's something that we have to take a look at. The other one that we talked about was the natural gas pipelines allowing uh, hydrogen uh, in the same infrastructure at 20% on a natural gas mine. That's huge. huge. Absolutely huge. So... Anyway, good things out of renewables. I don't want people thinking we're just a bunch of morons. We kind of are, though. So we kind of are, though. So it's okay. What do you have on the international news desk? You've got this uh, Cyprus energy story, kind of a fallout from this Chevron stuff. Yeah, we've, we've already covered that. But what we are going to see, and I have a feeling this week may be uh, fairly interesting on some of the stories, is uh, just quite honestly, some of the uh, turf wars going on over there right now. Everybody's at a heated level of turf war. Yeah. So. It's, it's, I mean, because everybody wants natural gas around the world. That's what's hilarious. Everybody wants it. Yep. And they don't want to have the controls that Putin had on them. Uh, Novatech, uh, last week we talked on the show uh, that the icebreaker the first icebreaker out of the Arctic went through the Northwest Passage yeah. to Japan. First LNG coming out of the Arctic. That's huge. Japan has to buy LNG. Uh, why can't Canada uh, get their LNG facilities up and running faster to sell to Japan and make some money for our beloved Canada and neighbor, neighbors? No, I, I, okay. I agree. I, I don't want to go in. We've taken too much time. So. No, this is, that's the beauty of podcasts, dude. There's zero time limit. We can continue to chat for as long as you want. I love it. I think it's, I mean, you've done it. You've done a great job, not only covering the international news, but bringing a lot of these issues. Like, no, I think it's, uh, I think it's I think interesting. You, Speaking, sorry. Thanks. Thank you for letting me ran on your show. I, I know I, I, Oh, you're good. This is, <laughs> I love, I love this. This is, this is good. So, um, but I do think it's time we kind of got to cover the levels for the week. 
I, I keep moving the floor up, Stu. It's, it's really nice to see. Last week we were at 39.16. I'm going to chop that level off. We're going to move that floor up. 40.17 is kind of our low level currently. Oil's trading. It's about 7.21. So, man, we might see the pit open here in about nine minutes. 40, 41.10 right now. But kind of the levels as we move south to north, as I like to call it, 40.17 is going to be our floor. 40.48 is another good volume bench. 40.86. I like 41.25, 41.51, and 41.87 are kind of the four or five levels i like if you're looking to um get i'm probably bullish specifically because our point of control is 4187 so i'm probably bullish in terms of if we see 4686 or 4048 it's probably a good position to get in long i think if you're looking to short this when we look at price action right now i don't know price action looks really good right now It'll be very interesting to see what happens when the pit opens here we're actually at a good reversal point off a of pullback so could be an interesting long spot here depending on what the sentiment is as the pit opens it's the beauty of day trading and partly why it's just scary because you just don't know um like i said my, my my bias for the week is 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 bullish i'm not necessarily going to uh completely go, go balls to the wall with that but i do think we're gonna see 42 43 at some point, whether it'll settle, if that will be very interesting, I think it'll be very. I, I think the point of control being at forty one eighty seven bolts very well, um, specifically. But it'll be very interesting when the sentiment rolls out. Remember, we are, we're, we're, we're we are one bad news story, and you know, and or one coronavirus lockdown away from. I mean, seeing seven buck oil. So, as much as you know, hey, we're stable right now, forty forty five bucks. Eh, it's it's on we're on pins and needles right now to be completely honest with you and really i mean what's interesting is hedge funds see the opposite they're longs dude they added eight thousand contracts now this is tuesday to tuesday uh so we're missing about four days It'll be very interesting to see what happens next week they added long contracts which makes sense i would expect from last tuesday to you know to to, to, to the previous tuesday here there's more long contracts bought because we have been an overall price action bullish yeah we're tanking right now we're about to go below here we're about to dive down to 4086 pit don't like it Stu. sentiment don't like it. I wonder what drives. See, this is where having a news ticker up helps because now I'm just wondering what's diving. What's going on here? What are well, the levels saying? On the 40, uh, 41, I, I need to check with some of our experts that we've had on as to the long-term play of 50 barrel, $55 barrel in order to get our wonderful people working again in the oil field. Um, I wonder what that number is. Because $40 uh, is not going to do it while we have such large uh, supply still uh, out there without the wow. demand. Speaking of our friends over at Rare Petro, the final sentence of his article that we just covered was a rational price to support economic production while appeasing global consumption moving forward is likely found at prices above 55 dollars a barrel so i think you're you're close so and, and i mean i'm not necessarily saying kevin olson's an oil expert but he did the research i mean this is this is i i trust that i threw that i i i got my own uh, opinions but i'm glad i had his <laughs> hey it's helpful nice to agree but yeah guys uh, managed money added about 8,000 contracts on the long side. So hedge funds, you know, specifically last week were, you know, made some money off that. They dropped 2,000, um, contracts on the short side. Um, big thing is, um, both, uh, swaps are getting hammered on the short side in, in, in a good way. And, and when I say things got hammered, I mean hammered out of the ballpark. 19,000 contracts added on the short side, uh, for swaps. So 
People are taking these prices and buying their insurance while they can, Stu. That's all I can say right now. They're taking $40 oil. Aegis has got to be busy over there. and Because they're making outbound phone calls to their clients. Hey, you checking the prices? Here's the premiums. Let's hedge a little more. So they are, they're busy. Their phone's off the hook over there. Another story I actually saw is this weekend, uh, Mexico is engaging a couple select banks to put together quotes for their uh, yearly hedging um, round. Would love to be a part of that. Those And those are really, really secret negotiations. If, you, if you're Mexico, you don't want... Um, a, you don't want that information getting out. B, if you're another bank who gets offered that to, to submit a quote for that, you don't want to know what your competitors are because the, the difference in pricing is unbelievable, Stu. It, between, uh, depending on, hey, if I'm going to offer you costless collars, I'm going to offer you this. How you know It's a wild amount. It, it, it's wild. So now, everybody at those companies, it's just like in every industry, you know what the other person's charging if you've been in the industry for an any period of time. So they're all they're all close, but it's highly secret negotiations. That was a Bloomberg article that ran this week. Um, so we'll be keeping you updated on that. Who knows? I know I do know last year they went with Citibank. So they're definitely hey, getting Michael, uh, do you remember when we ran the uh, um, OPEC meeting and uh, on Zoom? Why don't we see if we can run this meeting uh, and kind of like you know, be the host and sponsor of this meeting out of Mexico. Yeah, might as well. Hey, Mexico, I'll help you hedge. You can call me up. We'll, oh, yeah. we'll, we'll submit a great quote. Hey, hey, we just need to be the uh, auctioneers or. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I think that's everything in oil this week, guys. I don't know if, you know, themes this week. It's going to be very interesting to see what oil does. I think we're going to continue to see more Chapter 11s, but I think you're going to see the M&A market continue to wake up a little bit, specifically on the natural gas side. We're over 45 minutes here, so there's anything else we need to cover. You know, guys, the 360 official, non-official fund still suspended. Um, yeah. I know we keep saying we're going to get back to it, but keep being busy and busy. But I might be having a little more time coming up here soon, so hopefully we can uh, secure some more time later this afternoon or later this morning. Thanks for uh, letting me play in your sandbox, Michael. Appreciate it. Of course. Of course. I love sharing. What do they say? Sharing is caring? Yeah. I yeah. appreciate it. Um yeah so all right guys well with that you know like i said we're gonna let you get back to work thank you for checking out the 360 digital closing bell here on the world's greatest podcast network oil and gas 360 we will see you guys this afternoon for the digital ticker